We are going to dismiss the children to head over with John and Stephanie. You can head right out that door. And um, Jim, could I have you move my husband's guitar? <laughs> All right. Welcome. Welcome to church. Are you guys excited about today? Yes. My daughter is because she heard a preview earlier, so she knows what's coming. I am excited to get to share. For those of you who haven't met me yet, my name is Levita, and I am Dwayne's wife. Um, and Dryden, I had to like convince people I existed because they don't always get to see me. So I'm like, yes, I really do exist. I'm here. Um, so I'm going to kind of get a feel for the energy in the room today. I would like to just start off by thanking you for being evenly dispersed across the room. That really helps me because like in Dryden, everybody was over here. So I like I had to like, I kept like, okay, I gotta go this way. So thank you. But I need to know where the energy is. Do we have any? Okay, so that gives me an idea. We've got a thumbs up. All right. So today you need some energy. Because today we're going to be talking about bring the zing. Do we have any zing people in here? We have a ding people in here, but do we have a zing people in here? So like, I mean like that, that perfect line right at the perfect moment when you have like the, that last like statement you make like, oh, gotcha. Like, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, burn, like totally, like that, that perfect one-liner, that closing remark. I know like online, I always get sucked into these. It's like the perfect comeback and like the articles and you start scrolling through like the perfect comebacks, like all this fun stuff. So today we're actually looking at bring the zing. And all summer, we've actually been walking through parables of Jesus and great teaching, great messages, hopefully been challenging and inspiring and all that. And some have been a little bit more familiar than others. I think some of the most familiar that we've had are like the, like the sower and the seeds. Like we've, these are familiar ones. We've heard these. We're like, oh yeah, I know where she's going with this. Like I know this. Um, others have been not as familiar. Some of them are like, wait, I've heard that before. I, I think I remember that. I think in Sunday school once we talked about that maybe. So today we're actually going to be looking at three short parables that Jesus tells, and they are in the latter group. They are not super familiar. In fact, um, we were looking like over the speaking schedule, and I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, I'm speaking on the wedding. Awesome. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear wedding and Bible? Like, the wine one, right? Like, that's a good one. It's wine. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. So the wine one that's like, oh, yeah, the wedding of Cain. I know that one. Oh, wait. That's not a parable. That's a miracle. Like, wait, wait a second. What's the wedding parable? So I started looking, and there's actually, there are three parables that Jesus tells right in a row. And they all take place at the same time in a very short amount of time. And I kind of was looking around them and looking at like what all is happening. And I think that for a couple of reasons, these aren't super familiar parables. One is for when they happen. So this set of parables actually takes place during the week before Easter. Like Passion Week. There's a little bit going on during that time. 
and they kind of just sneak in. If you're not familiar with Easter, come back in like March, April, we'll have a whole great series on it. But like, there's a lot going on. And I think this section kind of gets like passed over. You've got like, oh, there's this triumphal entry and there's this going on and then there's like the betrayal, right? Like you, Last Supper betrayal, and we kind of skip a couple of days in there. But I think there's also a second reason that these aren't quite as popular. Um, it's who the parables are to. So I like the parables that are all about like preaching to people that need to know about Jesus. And we're going to get saved and we're going to go to heaven and it's going to be awesome. But these parables are actually spoken in the temple, in the courtyard. These parables are to the church people. It's to the religious leaders of the day. And you know that zing? It's not nearly as fun when the zing is connected to you. So I, I, I think that one of the reasons we kind of like gloss over this a little bit is because they're to us. They're not the super fun like outreach one. So I want to set the stage a little bit. I'm going to preach from back here for just a couple of minutes. You guys still hear me okay? I know I'm much shorter now because I was so tall when I was up there. And it's dinging again. All right. So I'm going to set the stage. We begin right after Jesus' ride into Jerusalem. Familiar? Like the donkey and things are going well and you've got the people ripping branches off the trees because they're so excited and throwing their cloaks down and Hosanna. And it's like a big moment. And it's awesome. What happens after that? Let's see. There's the Hosanna thing. But what happens next? It actually does not fade to black. There are things happening. The crowds are talking about Jesus, this prophet from Galilee, and then Jesus enters the temple. So we're headed into the temple. So now that we have the stage set and we know when our parables take place, we're going to skip to the end, actually. So we've got the beginning. We know where the beginning is. We know we're headed into the temple. And now we're going to skip to the end. Everybody's loving Jesus. Hosanna. Woohoo! It's awesome. It's a party. Really popular. Skip to the end. This is like a 24-hour period. Okay? This is not a long length of time. So the end of when Jesus shares these parables, it takes place. And we're going to come back. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get back there. But for fun, let's peek at the end. Matthew 22, 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. Ooh, a trap. Is this like a fun trap, like catch and release, like you catch him and like transport him to the mountains where he won't cause problems, and like let him go out there? No, no, this is like a snap dead trap. Like this is not a cute little trap plan. This is a, we want to kill him. We don't like what he's saying. His words made the church leaders so angry. They not only wanted him dead, they were ready to act on it. That's some zing. So if I'm really, really, really good today and I'm a great speaker, you're all going to be ready to plot my death when we leave. Isn't that exciting? Jesus sets the bar really high, and I'm really okay with not being that good today. So we're okay. So what is it? What's the zing 
to inspire this kind of response. So rewind it. Two days earlier, you know, like your favorite like, sitcom, and you like, come on, and they're showing the end of the story. And you're like, whoa, what happened? And then they go, two days earlier. Well, that's what we're going to do. Let's jump back two days earlier. Things are getting real. People are talking. Jesus is trending. Like he's a happening guy. We left off with Jesus entering the courts. Things are great. Hosanna, son of David, glory to God in the highest. Save us now. This is great. And Jesus walks into the courts. Do you remember what happens next? He comes in and he sees something that makes him righteously angry. He goes, looks around, and there are people in the temple robbing and cheating his people. They are keeping people from coming into worship. They are blocking his children. And he goes in there and he says, my house will be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. You have made it a den of robbers. Before Jesus even gets started, he cleans house. And now that I have your attention, <laughs> Jesus had their attention. They're like, whoa. Can you see the headlines? Prophet from Nazareth flips out. Where will he show up next? I can just see it. Like it's trending. Jesus doesn't run away. And guess what? This is not the time they want to kill him. He hangs out. The Pharisees knew what he did needed to be done. They didn't confront him. In fact, Jesus stays. Do you know what it says just next in the Bible? He heals the blind and lame. Now, there's an entire message in all that goes on in the temple courts. But part of what was happening is that the people couldn't come in. They had been blocked. The very people, the blind and the lame, that could not go in, Jesus was healing. I love it because in the Bible it's like, so he flipped the tables and like he got, you know, like said this will, my house will be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. Then he heals some people. The next morning, like, <laughs> I guess he just does this a lot and so there's just like kind of in passing. So he heals the blind and lame. The next morning, we're like, right in Holy Week, this Passion Week, not Holy Week, Passion Week. Now you know why I had to move my husband's guitar. He's like, please don't hurt my guitar. <laughs> please don't hurt my guitar. You're welcome. Jim saved it for you. So just so you guys know, um, I write out my entire sermon. This isn't just notes, so this is like way less than three hours. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> so, don't worry. Way less than three hours. Do you know they actually have a book called The Art of the Three-Hour Sermon? It's an old book. <laughs> Very old. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so the next day, where does Jesus show up? Back at the temple. He headed in early the next morning. Now, there's a little event that I've also heard a lot of sermons on that takes place on his way in. So think of what happened. We've got the triumphal entry. People are saying, yeah, save us now. He cleans the temple. He heals people. He goes back, hangs out with some friends. 
The next morning, he comes in, and there's this little event that actually has quite a bit of discussion on it. I've heard many sermons on it, but we're just going to like briefly go over this. There's a fig tree. Do you remember the fig tree? Yeah, I remember the fig tree. Yeah, there's this thing about a fig tree. Um, so we're going to make this really summarized. The fig tree should have had fruit on it. It didn't. Jesus curses it, it withers and dies. As I was studying and reading this, I thought, oh, wait, so the fig tree is not doing what it's created to do. Kind of tuck that in the back of your head as we look at what Jesus speaks to the church people throughout the next hours. So I have to find my spot because, you know, I wrote it all out. All right, so Jesus comes into this temple, and Matthew 21, 23 says simply that while he was teaching, the chief priests and elders came to him and started asking him questions. This was really common. The teachers would come, they would share, people would ask questions. Um, not always, like it seems like, oh, good, they want to know stuff. No, they were, they were kind of like trying to one-up him. They weren't like, I really want to seek Jesus, like in, in, in uh, private. They're like challenging him. It was really, really common, challenging teachers. Um, it doesn't say how big the crowd is, but I would imagine, can you imagine that next morning, Jesus walks into the temple, the money changers are like, oh, just kidding. I'll be back later. Or maybe they're like, hey, I'm honest. I'm, see, I'm honest. I'm honest. I'm out here where I'm supposed to be. I'm good. I can imagine the whisper campaign going on. Oh, dude, he's back. He's back. The people that had gotten healed, totally excited. In my head, there's a, there's a gathering. He says, it says that he's teaching the people, and then the priests come up, and they ask him questions. And uh, he shares three things. But first, take a look at what the Pharisees ask him. So, Matthew 21, 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked, and who gave you this authority? Totally in-your-face confrontational, asking a question. And Jesus replies, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by, who's, by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? Now, it doesn't say this in any translation I can find, but I'm pretty sure the Pharisees went, oh, crud. <sighs> like, uh, well, if we say it was from heaven, then they're going to be like, well, why didn't you believe him? And if we say it was from man, the people are going to, like, revolt. And so they do the good old, I don't know. We don't know. And Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. The Pharisees should have known. Jesus did not avoid their question because he was a little bit concerned about whose authority it was. He put it right back at them because they should know. 
Jesus cleaned house. He established his authority. They didn't kick him out. And then he goes on to tell three parables. The end of these parables, we know what's coming. They want to kill him, right? So let's hear the zing. Let's get to it. All right, first one, the two sons. Is this one familiar? Like, oh, wait, I remember this one. Yeah, this one's a little bit more familiar. It seems pretty easy. Jesus starts out, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which one of these two did what his father wanted? Now, the Pharisees are pretty quick. The first, like, easy. And Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. This is like the scum of society right there. And he just put them ahead of the religious leaders. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness. Oh, John comes back in. Oh. And you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. And then Jesus continues. Listen to another parable. This is the parable of the tenants. Now, this one might be familiar. It's also in Isaiah. It kind of has some similarities to it. In fact, I envision that the Pharisees are like, oh, I know this one. I'm going to get this one right. I have studied this. It's in Isaiah. Those scrolls, pff, totally. My, my bar mitzvah was on it. Like, I've got this. So he tells the parable of the tenants. See, my daughter thinks I'm funny. Listen to another parable. <laughs> There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent another servant to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him. They really like to kill people. And take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out in the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And all the church people, the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they said, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They're like, I know this, because we're going into Passover. There's a lot. What's going on politically right now in Jerusalem? Who's in there as the conquering power? Rome. They don't like Rome. In their heads, the tenants are Rome. Oh, we're going to kick them out. And they missed it. We'll get more on that in just a minute. So then we come to the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, There's, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for, those, for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. 
but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite the banquet. Invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here comes the zing. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Wait, that's the one-liner that then inspires them to say, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words? That does not seem like the best ending one-liner I've ever heard. What am I missing? We're missing something. Because that, those stories enraged the leaders. So let's do a little context about this banquet. In this time period, the banquet is like the premier social status event. It is very important who is there, who is not there. When you have a wedding, it is a hugely important event. It sets the social hierarchy. And I was really trying to like figure out what do we have that is that important in our society? And I've got it figured out. It's a fifth grader's birthday party. Because if you've had a five-year-old, you know that the birthday party is it. They talk about it. They tell their friends about it. They give the countdown. My birthday is in three months. My birthday is in two months. My birthday, it's in a month. And then right after the birthday, it's like, I just turned five. I'm almost six, right? Like, the birthday is so important. And if you've ever walked through with your child when they weren't invited to the birthday party, social devastation. Because, like, I didn't get invited to the party. Or the invitations go out, and then the friends start saying, oh, I can't come. Oh, I have something else going on that day. Oh, no, I've, I've got another party I was invited to. And we know that every single turn down invite that our child gets, to them they're hearing, you're just not important. This is more important than you are, right? Like this is the social status of this wedding banquet. This is the story that Jesus is telling. In Jesus' parable, no one shows. No one. Everyone's too busy. You have the double invite. We have something like that in our, own, our present society, the double invite. You send out the invitation, and then you have the Google alarm one hour before it starts so you can remember to go. 
Like, oh, wait, that's coming up in an hour. I got to go. Everyone is too busy. They have other things going on. And in fact, they are so enraged and offended about the reminder that they beat up and even kill the messengers. I have never had that feeling when my one-hour notice goes off. Not quite enraged over it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, crud, I forgot. But the feast is ready. The weddings only happen in once. So the king is like, well, pfft, those I invited didn't deserve to go. Let's invite other people. Go invite anyone you can find. Go. And just like the joy of that five-year-old that goes out and invites everybody to the party, and the mom's going, we only have, a, like, we just have a living room. The king's like, invite everybody. Invite them all. And the hall is filled. Now, I don't know about you, but the one thing I do remember from, like, reading this parable that's kind of obscure is that wedding clothes dude. Like, wait, what's with that? Everybody's invited. He shows up, and then the king's like, you're not dressed for it. Out. What's up with that? In this culture, what this is talking about is this man didn't even bother to clean up. He just came. He did not prepare. He did not give honor by dressing in his wedding clothes. Not fancy clothes. These are nice clothes, like just a clean set of clothes. And the king looks at him and says, you didn't even bother to clean up. You're not showing me honor. You're out. For many are invited, but few are chosen. End of parable. The Pharisees are enraged and making plans. Mic drop. There we go. As I study the, the parables and as I'm looking at it, I realize that the zing is not what I expected it to be. In fact, Jesus does something very very different. He has power. We saw him just, what, 12 hours earlier maybe, wither a tree because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. He healed the lame and blind the night before. Doesn't even give details. It's like he just healed them. He's good. Right now, he has the support of the people. He's like number one on Twitter and all that jazz. But instead of some major zing mic drop, he does stuff like this. I'll ask you a question. What do you think? Listen to another parable. Who is Jesus talking to this whole time? He's in the courtyard. He's talking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. In today's age, he's talking to us. These are not parables targeted to others. They're us, the people who should know better. And maybe now you're getting an idea of why these parables made people, the religious leaders, angry. Because Jesus didn't zing people with an argument, a perfectly placed jab. Instead, Jesus caused the Pharisees and those listening to do something that can be really painful. To reflect on our own lives and our own motivations. His words caused his listeners to look in a mirror of their own actions. 
I'm not going to throw this one. All right. We're going to highlight through the parables again, but this time as us. Now, my prayer is that the words of Jesus will cause us to reflect, but unlike the Pharisees, we'll allow Jesus to clean us up, and we won't hide behind anger, pride, and excuses. You guys ready? A little bit of reflection. Hopefully, y'all won't want to kill me in a few hours. Okay. <laughs> Let's start back at the flip table. Are there things you're allowing to keep you out of God's presence? Is there stuff that needs to be tossed or flipped out of the way? Is it time to clean house? A question of authority. Jesus asks the Pharisees, John's baptism, was it from heaven or human? They say, I don't know. They were the people responsible for knowing. But they didn't want to answer. Jesus wasn't avoiding it. He had laid out the question so that those with seeking hearts would understand. The Pharisees knew, but they closed their eyes to what was in the mirror. They didn't want to be wrong. How often do we know that something is, okay, I won't say wrong, because that's like a really harsh word. How often do we know that something is not quite okay? It's not so good. But we do it anyway because we really want to. And it may not be quite right, but we're really good at justifying it. Or maybe we kind of push that little small voice away a little bit. That mirror is not fun. I don't think I like it. The Pharisees did something that we do. You ever uh, seen a kid who did something wrong? You're like, who did that? You're like, mm, I don't know. We're a lot like that little kid. And God's like, what are you doing? We're like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It just happened. We don't want to get in trouble, so we shrug it off pushed off a little bit. Okay, I didn't like that one. That one's, that one's, that one's a little bit too much like reflecting. Let's, let's move on. The two sons. All right, this one will be easier. The Pharisees, they answered that one like super slick. Do you notice that Jesus only gave two options? He said the one who says yes and doesn't do it, the one who says no and does it. Don't we want to be the third option? The one who says yes and does it? Yeah, that's me, right? I think that Jesus was very intentional in just those two options. What if the Pharisees had been given that third option? Which one are they? Oh, I do it. I say yes and I do it. There's no opportunity for reflection in there. 
even when it isn't easy, even when we really don't want to, are we doing the Father's will? Allow yourself to really stare into that mirror. How are you approaching the way you spend the time God gives you? It's okay to not want to do the Father's will, but do it anyways. But you got to do it. So I think all the study that I did on the parables and all of this stuff, my favorite was really the account of the vineyard. Because the Pharisees don't see it coming. Jesus tells a story about a landowner and tenants. They've got it. They're familiar. It parallels Isaiah. They're so, the Pharisees are so caught up in what they expect. Rome's the big bad guy. They're going to get tossed out. They miss the point. Those that reject and abuse the messengers of the landlord will be tossed out. It is clear, but the religious choose to see it through their own lens and totally miss the point. Oh, that mirror is back. What am I trying to filter through my own lens? What am I showing so I'm right instead of what God's word says? You guys ever done like the Zoom calls or like the little Facebook calls, whatever, and you can put the filters on? And like, oh, well, look, like my, my kids love to talk to grandma and grandpa with them on. Like, oh, I'm a cat. Oh, I'm a ballerina. Oh, I'm Martian dude thing. We like filters. We like to gloss it over and make it shiny and pretty. But we miss the point. Our challenge is to honestly reflect in the mirror without a filter. What is God's word actually saying? And our final parable. This one is filled with hope. So hopefully if you were plotting my death, we can now not plot my death. Okay, people missed out on the banquet because they were too busy or they were tossed out because they didn't even bother to get ready for it. But we can choose not to be those people. Instead of hearing the message and getting offended and angry that God would dare to tell me no, you can learn, you can lean in, you can grow, you can enjoy the wedding banquet with a prepared heart. Jesus brings the zing, but not always like we expect. When we want to zing someone, Put that amazing one-liner in the comments, you know, like when they say something and you're like, oh, I got this. And we want to put them in their place. Let's pause and reflect. And if we don't have the words that lead people to Jesus, let's use his. We are called to be the messengers. We spent this whole time looking at the parable of Jesus talking to the religious. My prayer is that we will have the courage to lean in and honestly reflect at what God has for us. Here is the reality. We are all still here. God is not finished with us. God is urging us to continue to grow. Wherever you are in your faith journey, God's saying, Let's go deeper. 
Let's go a little bit more. One more step. Because he's turning you into the one he created you to be. Remember that fig tree? It was not doing what it was created to do. Let's not be a fig tree. Let's lean in. Let's grow. Let's not shy away from the reflection. Let's have soft hearts so that we can see and hear what God would have us do next. And not only are we those he's speaking to, we're also the messengers. With joy, like a five-year-old birthday party. Tell everybody. Go out to the street corners. Tell them all. Because nobody wants to miss the banquet. You don't want to be left out. You don't want somebody not invited. Everyone. We'll let God hold up the mirror. Because he can handle the right amount of zinc. I'm going to have Dwayne come, and he's going to, we're going to end with a song. And I'm going to invite you to sing, but before you do, I would like you to just listen to the words. Because we had several parables, and it's really easy to feel this like, oh, I suck. Everything's wrong with me. Like everything. No. God created you amazing. And he has the next step for you. Use some time of reflection of where God wants to lead you next. With a softened heart. With ears to hear. Because God has amazing things for you. We do not want to have the hardened hearts of the Pharisee that were so full of pride and anger that they missed it. I invite you to reflect as we sing this song. God, I love to you. Won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. See things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do.
doesn't have to be a, a piece of ashamed, but it can be a piece of hope, knowing that in that reflecting that you show us where we can grow, where we can stretch, where we can come closer to you. So just pray that we would not shy away from the reflection, but Lord, instead that we would look to you for strength in those moments of what could be devastating. Thank you so much that you do love us. And you love us to grow and to move forward. We pray that you would continue to help us look to you for wisdom, for strength in all of our days, to look to you. Thank you so much for who you are and your incredible love for us. We just pray that as we journey along this week, that you would continue to remind us of your words and that every time we pass a mirror, we just take a moment and reflect upon all you teach us and all, all that you want to bring is growth into our lives. Thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm so glad that we can all do life together, do church together. It's so much fun. Thank you, Levita. I love listening to her. She's got a wonderful voice. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, but hey, as you go this week, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Go to strengthen his mind. Have fun. Enjoy the sun. Come out for barbecue on Wednesday at the Tanzolas and just enjoy this wonderful life that God has blessed us with. Y'all are amazing. Go in and strengthen his might. Hug a few necks on your way out. God bless. You are dismissed. Uh -huh.